Awesome. Are you good this morning? Does anyone believe that the Lord is in this place? We're not just gathering for like a cook and tea, eh? We're gathering for the presence of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, and so before I get into the word this morning, which I'm super, super expecting about, I want to first let you guys just know who's, who's the, here for the very first time in this building. It's only week two. Okay, many of you. Awesome. Well, we want to say welcome, and we want to say there's still a lot to be done. I mean, as you can imagine, moving into a new venue like this, we've had a lot of work. I think, was it last week or the week before? When did we move? It feels like a lifetime ago, although it feels like yesterday. We, it was literally miraculous. I don't know who saw the before pictures on Facebook or social media of what this looked like before we came in here. But let me tell you, this was a miracle. God intervened for us. The work that went into preparing this place for church literally in a week was astounding. It was amazing. This whole place, that drywall filled this entire hall over here. And so that's one of the things that came down. So there's still a lot of work that we are planning to do. But as everyone encourages me every day, Rome was not built in a day. And I said, well, I want to build it in two days. <laughs> but that's not how the Lord works. I mean, who else is like that? That was yesterday already we're just, it's just because we're excited and we, there's so much potential that this building has. So what we want to share with you is what we've accomplished in this week that just was. So our curtains went up, praise the Lord. We're still going to do some uh, tinted windows over there that will block a lot of the direct sunlight. And it will also help for all the peeping toms that look in during the week. Uh, we're also going to have our alarm installed uh, this week to come. Uh, what else are we doing Okay, no, so this is what happened last week. So all the painting has been done, okay? We repainted around here. Everything upstairs has been painted. A lot of plumbing has been fixed. A lot of things has been done already that we can go tick. Yes, thank you, Lord, we've made it. So what else still needs to happen? Uh, as we said last week, what we are still trusting the Lord for and kind of the next uh, couple of things that we want to do in phase one is we are looking at a platform for this area over here mostly for the short communicators, so you can see us. And then at the back, we are going to have an elevated platform for the, the sound team as well, and that will really help for a lot of the sound, the filming, the different things, so we can get our uh, sermons up on YouTube afterwards. Then we are also going to be trusting the Lord for our coffee area. Uh, we eventually want to have like a, a beautiful little coffee bar with coffee tables and chairs so that you can sit and hang out and drink coffee not just on Sunday, but also in the week. Uh, and we also, over here, there's going to be a door with a glass panel, and there's some plans that we've got for that room. We are also planning on having our nursing room over there. We're going to have a beautiful space with carpets and everything where moms with babies can come in and, you know, toddlers can run and they can freely play the way that toddlers want to play. Um, so that's just some of the things that we are trusting the Lord for. And also... What we are really believing for is for this area over here to be a carpet. You can hear there's still a little bit of an echo in the building, so a carpet will obviously help with that to absorb some of the acoustics. Um, and those are just some of the things for phase one. We'll talk about phase two and phase three in 2023, praise the Lord. Awesome. But are you excited about having a new church home? Amen. Is anyone excited? Okay, fantastic. 
Come on, and as we said, you know, what, we are, what, is, what is the purpose of having a venue for seven days a week? As we said throughout the last couple of months, it will enable us to do so much more in terms of reaching people, equipping people for the God-given purpose that God has for them. Okay, we don't just have a building so that it feels nice. We have a building because it facilitates the work of the Lord. It facilitates the equipping of our next generation upstairs, the facilitation of equipping courses. And we're going to speak more about that when we come back in January, but we've got a lot of courses that we want to do next year. That means midweek we can come and we can do things like liberating the human spirit. We can do calling. We can do things on healing, deliverance, different things that we've got on our hearts for next year. So just know that there is so much vision and we are so excited for where the Lord is taking us and for what he's going to do among us. Amen. Amen. You, you know that you can speak back to me, Ons het nou, die echo is so lekker dat hy kan ons nog harder gaan, die amens. Okay, don't make me make you amen. Awesome. And then we want to also remind you on Sunday, the 4th of December is our Christmas service. So for that service, our kids church will end at the end of November. So that'll be a family service. And then as well as the 11th of December, and that will be our last service for the year um, before we come back on the 15th of January. So I don't know about you, but everyone needs some rest this year. Who felt like this year was a particularly long year? Amen. So we're really looking forward to that. We want to encourage you, come and join us for the Christmas service. Next week, we're going to start playing our Christmas carols. Who loves a good Christmas carol? Amen. I feel like the moment I start hearing a Christmas carol, I start to relax. Amen. So fantastic. But checkers, eerst is it, Johannes. Yeah, they already start in like August. I'm like, that's... That's a bit optimistic, but I like it. Okay, that's enough. I want to get to the word this morning. Why don't we just pray before we get into that? Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that you are the king of all kings. Lord, we thank you that you are the Lord of this house and that you are the one building your church. And Father, this morning, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for your word, that it is powerful, that it is effective, and Lord, that it can transform us in ways that we can never ask, think, or imagine. And so this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, that you would speak to every one of us in this room. Lord, a rhema word, a, a now word, and a live word, fresh manner for our spirits this morning, that we can take into this week knowing, Lord, that you are with us, that you are for us, and that you will never leave us and never forsake us. So we thank you this morning for your word, for the power of your word. And we ask that you would have your way today. And everyone said, amen. Fantastic. All right. I want to start off by asking us a question this morning. Johannes is normally the one asking the questions, but I thought I'd rock the boat and ask a question. My question is this. What would you do tomorrow if you knew that you knew that you knew with all of your being that God is with you, what would you do tomorrow when you know that you know that you know that you know that God is with you? I'm not talking about head knowledge. We all love to say that we know God is with us, but when you know it and you believe it like 300%, what would we do? And so I asked myself that question and I thought, yeah, there's a little bit of a discrepancy 
I feel like if I truly believe, truly, 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 that I can see the King of Kings standing right next to me right now, the line of Judah, there are a lot of other things that I would do. Because I will have a courage. Because he's standing right beside me, he's standing right next to me. Is there anyone else with me this morning? And you know, we were about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't know where we are. We were still at Rosewood. And we were sitting in the service, and I think we were already starting to share about the new building, and we were in, we were in worship, and I felt the Lord speak a word to my heart, and I felt Him speak to me, I'm taking you into a new season where I'm going to need you to be brave. And I thought, I thought I was being brave already. What does that mean? What do you mean? I thought it was very brave to move from Cape Town to Windhoek. Like that to me was like the epitome of brave. And the Lord goes, where I am taking you in this season, where I'm taking you, you are going to have to be brave. Now, the first thing I think when you hear a word like that is a little bit of, okay, what does that mean? And you know, one of the words, one of the promises that Johannes and I believe that the word uh, that the Lord gave us for moving into this building and moving into this next season was the word that he said to us, I'm going to extend your territory. I'm going to expand your territory. Now, when you hear a word like that, you are going to have to need, you are going to have to have courage. You are going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have a lot of things if the Lord says, I'm going to expand your territory. Because everyone loves to grow, but with growth comes a lot of responsibility, comes the need for faith, comes the need for courage. Whatever it is in your life, it's not just church. I'm, you know, I always use church as an example, but it could be anything for any of us. I'm going to expand your territory, enlarge your territory, and I'm going, Jesus, please be with us. If you don't go, we are not going. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how can we be brave? It's okay upstairs, you'll see a few people sometimes move. But we are going to have to be brave in the season where the Lord is taking us into. We need courage, and not just courage blindly, just, you know, jumping off a cliff hoping someone will catch you. I'm talking about courage in Jesus, courage in the Lord, a deeply rooted courage that nothing can shake me off of this. Nothing can get me off course. That's the kind of courage that I want to talk about this morning. And you know, God's people have always been called to bravery. God's people have always been called to bravery. Obeying God, especially when it seems to be to our disadvantage or with the odds against us, is the crux of the Christian life. God never calls us to a place where we stay in our comfort zone forever. I mean, we can ignore the Lord and stay in our comfort zone. But God's will, God's heart, God's desire for us is to grow and to move forward and to step into everything that He has for us. Not just who He wants us to be, but also what He wants us to accomplish on this earth. Amen? And so the kind of courage and the bravery we want to talk about today is that courage, the kind of courage that it takes to trust God, to really obey the Lord, even if it means that we are shaking at our knees, we're shaking in our boots. 
we're freaking out on the inside, but we are still asking the Lord, Lord, help me to take a step forward. Amen. Okay, so the kind of courage we're talking about today is not necessarily always this huge, heroic, you know, the Superman cape waving here at the back, you know, grand gestures of faith. We need courage in our everyday lives. Sometimes we need courage just for the small steps every day that we need to take. Maybe for some of us, this word this morning means that I will have the courage or I need the courage to just forgive someone who has really hurt me. Maybe some pain that I've been carrying for a lifetime, I need the courage to get healing. Maybe for some of us, I need the courage to actually admit to someone else, maybe to go for counseling. Maybe to say that here's an area in my life that I've refused to look at because it's so painful. Maybe it's time that the Lord says, I need you to step out even in the pain and get healing in that area because it will affect you for the rest of your life. Maybe for some of us, courage means I need to have that difficult conversation. Maybe it's a confrontation that, this, uh, conversation that needs to happen, but I've kind of avoided it for fear of their reaction or, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe for some of us, I need the courage to step out into a new thing that the Lord is calling me into, but I'm too scared. I've got too many what-if questions. I'm too scared of what the economy says or what people say or, you know, what the Republicans say or whatever. Maybe I just need courage to step into a new thing that God's calling me into. Maybe for some of us, I just need to, the courage to ask someone out on a date. Johannes and Akbotrouwers doen. There's lots of people looking for, looking for a spouse. We are praying for you. Come on, I'm very passionate about that. God's got someone for you, I mean. That's a word for someone this morning. So what would I do if I believe with my heart of hearts that God, my God, my Father is with me? That he's not left me somewhere by myself, shame start the door, so I died for you and I'll come back again, but, you know, in the meantime, good luck. It's not the God that we serve. It's not the God that we serve. He's called us to be brave. But you know, in the Bible, how many times does it say, be strong and courageous? Be strong and courageous. And every time the Lord says that, it comes with a reason. That reason is because He is with us. The reason the Lord tells us to be strong and courageous is because He is with us. Amen? All right. I want to give us a definition of being brave. You know, I love a good definition. Everyone knows what this means, but just to make sure. It means to have or show mental or moral strength to face danger, fear, or difficulty. Sometimes it's not just fear, it's just something that's difficult. We perceive it as difficult, or we perceive it as impossible. It's being bold, being courageous, dauntless, lion-hearted, Undaunted, and I love this one, gutsy. If you want to be a woman in ministry, you've got to be gutsy. Amen? And I've said, Lord, I will not be a wimpy Christian. There's not only a pun of wimpy, but wimpy, like scared, because I grew up intimidated. I grew up scared. I grew up fearful, anxious. I don't have time for that anymore because the King of Kings is my God. He's my Father and He's standing beside me. And if He said He will do it, I will believe it. Amen? 
come on, Kerk, 2023 needs to be different than 2022. You know, the potential sitting in this room, God has called us to shake this nation in Jesus' name. I don't care if you're a woman, a man, a child. God has got a calling on your life, and no man is going to stop that. Amen? Is anyone with me? Come on. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Yeah, we don't have time to play. It's time. We've got a kingdom at hand. God has called us to shake this nation. Namibia for Jesus. I'm not talking about people, yeah, says, no, no, no. What are you doing for the King of Kings? Wherever you walk, sorry, I got a bar opgewonnen, die wat my nou nie ken nie. Wherever you walk, there the light is going because the King of Kings lives inside of you. Sometimes we forget that, and I'm talking from my own experience. Sometimes we forget that, and I feel like we're, we're not stepping into that potential that God has for us. And I'm going to share a story today. Maybe I must just focus on my notes because I can feel I'm drifting because I get excited. But I'm going to, I'm going to share. I felt the Lord when he spoke that word of being brave into my spirit. I felt him speak to me about Joshua. You know Joshua in the Bible? Probably my favorite guy, hands down. Many awesome people. I know the Apostle Paul's amazing, but Joshua is my kind of guy. He reminds me of Johannes. He's a warrior. He was known as one of the best strategic military leaders of the Old Testament. So a soldier. When I met Johannes, I just saw soldier. That's actually one of the first prophetic words that when I was standing next to Johannes, that he received a prophetic word of being a soldier for the Lord, uh, leading an army. And you know, if you've been part of Living Word, you know that we're not the cook and tea of a God has called us. The mandate on this church is to raise up an army that will conquer a city and a nation for Jesus. Okay, the Bible speaks about the Gideon's Bende. If you've met JC, our leader from Leven of Kaap, he speaks about the Gideon's Bende. There were only 300 because all the fearful ones were sent home. That's very much our mandate as well, the Gideon's Bender. Okay, so we're going to talk about Joshua this morning, and I want us to look at Joshua 1.9. If the laptop cuts out, praise the Lord, we still have Bibles. That's not going to influence us at all. So you can go to Joshua 1 verse 9, and it's one of the first books in the Bible, so you will find it very easily. And it says this, the Lord is speaking to Joshua and he says to him, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Some uh, translations say intimidated. Don't be discouraged or intimidated for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I love a good Afrikaans translation. And so the Afrikaans translation says, Wees, what does it say? Wees sterk en baie dapper. Wees sterk en baie dapper. Not just dapper, baie dapper. And Lauren, you can put up that slide for us. There's a, an ancient Hebrew war cry. I said, Johannes, this feels like a men's conference message, but I'm going to tackle it this morning. There's an ancient Hebrew war cry. That Hebrew translation in Joshua that speaks of be strong, and courageous. In Hebrew, it actually means rak kazak amatz. Chazak. Am I pronouncing it? Johannes knows the Hebrew. Chazak. Rak chazak amatz. Why don't you say it with me this morning? Rak chazak amatz. But now say it with guts. Rak chazak amatz. 
It means be strong and very courageous. And that used to be an ancient war cry when, when soldiers went into battle for the Lord. They would shout that, Hazak Amat, Hazak Amat, to encourage one another. Be strong and be courageous for your God is with you. You're not going into this battle alone. And I've decided that's my war cry for 2023, Hazak Amat. So if you hear me and see me in checkers going Hazak Amat, you'll know. <laughs> so I psych myself off. Okay, Hazak Amat. It means, Hazak means to be strong, to be courageous, to be valiant, manly, strengthened, established, firm, and mighty. And Amat means to have courage, to be brave, to be strong, to be solid. That's so important, to be solid, to be hard, secure, steadfastly minded. And you know what, church? It's time that we learn the war cry because we are in a spiritual battle. And the closer we get to Jesus' second coming, the more the battle will increase. We know we've won the war, but it doesn't mean we're not fighting in the battle. Amen? And I think every one of you know that. Every one of you are experiencing that in many different ways. Look at the world around us. It is going crazy. It is crazy. And the church must wake up to realize that we're in battle. We need a war cry. We need to move as the Spirit tells us to move. We can't think we're in vacation mode all the time. Praise the Lord. I love a good vacation. My favorite thing is the beach. But even when I'm on the beach, I'm in a spiritual battle day in and day out. And God wants to raise up his children to remind them that I am with you. I'm not, I've never called you to do this alone. I'm going to stand behind you, but I'm going to need you to be brave. I'm going to need you to go when I tell you to go. And to trust me and to believe that I already have the victory before you get there. Amen. So why don't we get into this story this morning. Joshua, he was an incredible man. He was known for his faith. He was known for his obedience. And he was known for his courage. Amen. And so the Bible, we first hear of him in, I think it was Exodus 17. Uh, yeah, Exodus 17, 9, in the battle against the Amalekites. And Moses was the leader at the time, the leader of the Israelites. And Joshua was his assistant. Joshua was being raised up underneath Moses. And they were fighting in this battle. And Joshua led the army into victory because the other guys were holding Moses' arms up. And that's the first time we hear of Joshua. And then the Bible starts talking about Joshua being chosen as one of the 12 spies. So the Lord comes to Moses and he says, since Abraham, I have promised the Israelites to take them into their own promised land. You know, for 400 years, the Israelites wandered in tents and in temporary dwellings. It sounds like the church. And uh, he said to Moses, I want to take these people into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. But I want you to first send 12 spies to go out to observe the land and to go and look for weaknesses. Because I have already given you the land, but I want you to go out and spy it. I want you to see it for yourselves. And so there were 12 spies sent out, and one of them was Joshua. And so I want us to go to Numbers 13. Hallelujah. Numbers 13, verse 28. And I'm going to read verse 27. It's not on the screen, but just to give you a little bit of context. So the 12 spies went out. 
and we all know the story, they all came back and 10 of them had a negative report. 10 of them had fear. And this was their response to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, and here is the kind of fruit it produces. And then verse 28, but who's a leader here? You're a leader in your family. You're a leader at work. You're a leader somewhere. You're leading one, two, more than two people. Okay. When you send someone out with a task and they come back and tell you, but, how do you feel? I only see the problem. I only see the negative. Okay, but tell me one positive thing that you saw. Tell me one. Now, this was Moses. Ten of them came back. Yeah, it's a beautiful land. It's great. Here's the fruit, but. And this is the, the narrative they get stuck on. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. And I love this. They go, we even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. And then it goes to verse 30. And here comes my heroes, Caleb and Joshua. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And he said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Caleb and Joshua goes, excuse me, yes, we saw all of the problems, but can you just focus on who called us here? Is the same God who called us here not the same God that will take us to lead this land? Did the Lord not say? Sometimes we need people in our life that will remind us when we're stuck in a negative rut, but did the Lord not say? Amen? We can certainly conquer it, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And this is, this is the, the crux. Verse 32, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. And here they go again. They're stuck on their same narrative. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Now, it's obviously easy for me to say I didn't stand there seeing the giants, and obviously they were scared. But isn't it incredible that 10 of them came back to say, this was the problem, this is why it's impossible, this is why we can't do it, and it's enough for you to be negative and for, for you to not believe, but now they go and they spread a bad report to the entire nation of Israel, turning everyone against the only two people who actually believe the Lord. They were scared, they were discouraged, they were fearful, they didn't believe the Lord. So their unbelief had the power to affect an entire nation. And what's astounding to me is that the Bible says that after they spread that report, the people began to complain against the leader God appointed to take them into the promised land by faith. They started complaining against Moses who, by the way, led them out of Egypt, where they were slaves for how long, onto the promised land, and they even said to each other, the Bible says they said to each other, let's find a new leader. Let's appoint a new leader. 
We don't want to follow the guy with faith, thank you very much. We'd rather appoint and appoint a new leader and go back to the slavery where we once were. And I just thought, Lord, how powerful. That is the nature of man. Sometimes we would rather follow the unbelief of people around us because the faith of others scare us. That's the power sometimes of unbelief and staying in a crowd where the unbelief is bigger than faith. And I thought that was a powerful lesson for us to learn. The Israelites became scared. They wept, they grumbled against their leaders. And you know what? The Lord didn't like that at all. The Lord actually called that unbelief. And all of that generation eventually died in the wilderness, and the Lord never allowed them to go into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb remained. Only Joshua and Caleb were allowed to enter the promised land. But okay, there were three lessons. Of course, if I take you through the whole book of, of Joshua, we will stay here for at least three months. Because it's such a powerful, rich book to learn from, especially if you are anywhere in leadership. Uh, if you're leading people, even if you're leading your family, you know, for the husbands, even for the moms, this is a really, really good book to just do a personal study on. It is so rich with lessons. It's so rich with, you know, just things that, you know, principles, kingdom principles that build your faith. And I feel like I'm going to stay in the book of Joshua for a while, <laughs> maybe for the whole of 2023. <laughs> All right, but there's three things that I want to focus on this morning that I felt immediately the Lord teach me in my own heart to keep in mind for 2023, for particularly our season where the Lord is taking us. Number one, if we're going to be people that walk in courage, if we're going to be people that say we believe the Lord and we believe His Word over us, and we want to become all that God has created us to be and do all that He's calling us to be, number one, we are going to have to resist the popular opinion of fear and discouragement. Let's have a look at Numbers 14, verse 6 to 10. Numbers 14, verse 6 to 10. So now they continue. The Israelites are scared. They're freaking out. They want to kick out Moses, and they want to go back to their slavery in Egypt because they're too scared of the giants. And verse 6 says, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. And they said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. They're like, hello. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey, but do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. These guys had some serious courage to speak against an entire nation and say, do not be afraid. The Lord said he gave us a word. Their only help is pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And listen to this. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Okay, sometimes people with faith can scare us. That means there is an unbelief in us. And the Bible says that then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. God's presence was on these two young guys. 
The Bible calls Caleb a man with a different spirit. Because they had the guts, they had the boldness, they had the courage to take God at his word and said, Lord, even if you're taking us into a land with 31 enemy territories, I mean, it is scary. We're still going to trust you because you said you will take us there. Man's nature is to first see the negative, the obstacles, the impossible, before we see God's power and before we see and recognize his presence is with us. It's the nature of man. And that's why I believe today, I say to the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want to do in this service? We can preach a lot of stories, we can preach a lot of things, but what is it that you want to do? And I saw a picture literally of, you know, when someone tries to run, they try to go forward, but there's ropes tied around them and someone is pulling them back. Something is pulling them back. They can't go forward. I saw that in the spirit. And I feel like for some of us, God is calling us to take a step of courage, to take a step of bravery into this next season, into the next year for something in your life, but something is pulling you back. Some of us are being pulled back by some things and the Lord said, today is the day those are being severed. Those are being cut. Today is going to be a powerful day for some people to be released from fear, to be released from whatever holds us back, to step into that what the Lord has. Amen. Ten of the twelve spies responded to the whispers of fear and discouragement by the enemy. You know, sometimes the Lord will allow us to see something where he's taking us. And what the enemy's number one mission is, is just to whisper one thought of discouragement, one thought of fear. Bring in strategically a little economic headline to make you shake in your boots. And the moment we allow that seed of fear of discouragement to be planted in our hearts, it's there. And then it's very hard to get rid of that or to see God's presence or to see and believe God is with me. Because this lie of fear and discouragement is being amplified in my head and in my heart. That's why we need to be so careful in every season that we are in. Who do we surround ourselves with? And you know, I might be a pastor here, but let me tell you one thing. When Johannes and I prayed for this building in this next season, there were people I did not listen to. Because they were full of fear. They were full of discouragement. They were full of reasons why... We cannot do what we feel like God is calling us to do. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to let your fear and your discouragement take me off track for what God has got for my life. You've got to get some backbone and stop listening to people who are going to look at the economy of this world and the 100,000 reasons why this will fail. Amen? So it's very important who do we listen to. These Israelites could have listened to Moses. They could have listened to the Lord. They could have listened to Caleb. But they chose to listen to the 10 fearful spies who already had unbelief in their heart before they went into the land to spy. How do I know someone around me has unbelief or is fearful? It's okay to encourage those people, but I don't go to those people to encourage me because I will not get discouraged with them. Especially when I'm praying about a decision that I know I need to hear the Lord very clearly on it. Those are not the kind of people I will go to for my, you know, counsel and many advisors. I go to people who I know have faith. I know listen to the Lord. And I know have taken the courage to step out and trust God against all odds. When everyone in the world around them said no, God said yes. And they have that experience with the Lord. 
That's why I love JC as our pastor. That guy does not have a scary bone in his body. If God says it, doesn't matter who comes against it, he'll believe it, even if he's the only one. That's the kind of people I want to surround myself with, especially in times where I feel like God is leading me against all odds. Amen? And don't make a mistake, Caleb and Joshua were very aware of the reality. It's not like they didn't see the giants. It's not like they didn't know that this was enemy territory. Canaan was divided into 31 empires, 31 different states, all with different governments. And the promised land was not something that they were going to go in, milk and honey, and it was just going to be a holiday on a tropical island. They would actually have to fight all 31 of these territories to gain entry. But the Lord said, I will give you the victory. But I need you to actually take the step. That's the thing with the Lord. I don't know why he works that way, but he does. (laughs) Most of us want to know the guaranteed victory before we go. But that's not how the Lord works. That's where trust and faith comes into play. So they were very aware. They were not blind to the reality. But they didn't allow the reality to overshadow God's power and God's word in the situation. And I think that's the difference. Sometimes we will be aware of the reality, but we're just choosing to believe God's word over the reality. Because what is really the bigger reality? God's presence or what I see in the natural? Amen. Okay, so number one, we need to resist popular opinions of fear and discouragement. Number two, we need to base our courage on God's word. Let's have a look at Joshua 1 again. And I just want to read through this scripture properly. Otherwise, I might run out of time, but I want, this is really the important one that I want us to look at. Joshua 1, verse 1 to 9. And it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid or assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, arise. They were in a period of mourning. The Lord goes, mourning is completed. Arise. Moses is dead. You've been commissioned. Here you go. Arise, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them to the Israelites. This is all the Lord's promise. So listen carefully how the Lord encourages him and promises him that he will not be alone. Verse 3, the Lord says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, or the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, and no one, no one will be able, no giant will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Number six, verse six, be strong and courageous. Chazak amatz. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Number seven, Hamatz Azak, Hazak Hamatz. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful everywhere you go. Keep this book of the law. We don't have time to go into that, but that's another sermon on its own. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. In other words, speak it. 
Don't allow ourselves to even speak the unbelief. Speak the word. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Number nine, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I mean, three times the Lord goes, not just be strong, courageous, be strong and very courageous. And if you think about, I mean, it sounds great that, you know, Joshua was already a courageous guy, but if you just, I'm going to set the scene for us a little bit. For 400 years, these people were without a home. Moses had led them. Moses eventually died without being able to go into the promised land because he disobeyed the Lord previously. The Lord at least allowed him, to, allowed him to see the promised land, but the whole generation died. So he's got over a million people that he has to lead across the Jordan River, which at that time, the time the Lord chooses for them to go over, the river was at its fullest. In fact, the Bible says that it was overflowing over the banks. Research, some scholars say that it was over 30 meters deep. I don't know about you, but I don't like swimming in that kind of water. I don't even swim in the ocean, okay? I can just dive and sit my twin in. The Lord chooses the most dangerous time for them to cross the Jordan River. Not only that, they were more than a million people. If we thought it was hectic to just move 60 people into a new building, imagine a million people crossing a river with tents and all the possessions, women, children, men, plus what is on the other side is not Swakop Mund, it is Jericho. Jericho is one of the most hostile countries, the first one that they have to, now you're tired, you've gone through one of the biggest rivers known to mankind, now you have to fight a battle to take over Jericho. Jericho was known in Afrikaans, the meest godelooste area, they were doing child sacrifices. They were, sexual immorality was all over the show. It was chaos. They were fighting brutal wars. Now they have to go fight these crazy people just when they get over the shore. So no wonder the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. I mean, who's up for that? I don't know. Is there someone else? Maybe St. Johannes. I don't know. Okay, so, so this is a tall order God gives this guy. Chazak Ahmad, but be strong and courageous, I am with you. He had a choice to make. Am I going to trust the Lord that he's going to help me move a million people into enemy territory? And the Lord said, no giant will come against you for I am with you. He doesn't tell him how he's going to do it. He doesn't tell him what the result will be. He just says, I've given you the victory and I'm with you. Now go. Cheers. Starke. I get you. The Heere had it. He's got it. Okay, Lord. Sure. No problem. A million people. Here we go. And it was a literal move into a new season. It was literally taking these people into a new season. But God says, I will give you the victory. Okay, now they go. Number three, it says, or my point is, we need to stay in and follow his presence. The Lord gives further instruction. This is the last, but we're going to read Joshua 3, 
Now Joshua is getting the people ready. He's assembling everyone. He's a great military strategist. He goes to the Lord. He gets the strategy, all the, the ways that he assembles all the people, the Ark of the Covenant, which is representative of God's presence. And now he goes, okay, it's time to go. They're standing in front of the water. Just also remember, Joshua was with Moses the entire time that Moses led the people through the Red Sea. He has seen God do the miraculous. I'm sure this must have played a part in him believing that God can do it again. He has seen the miracle. He walked through the dry land of the Red Sea. He saw the Egyptians drowning. So he was like, if God can do it for Moses, God can do it for me. So they're standing in front of the Jordan River. Joshua 3 verse 14. And when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. This is important because remember, as I said, the Ark of the Covenant was where they hosted the presence of the Lord. God's presence went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. God does it again. And what was significant to me about this portion of Scripture was that it says that the presence of the Lord went ahead of them. The presence of the Lord is what they followed. How do I follow the presence of the Lord? You can write this down. This is a good Scripture to go and read. Exodus 33 verse 11. It said that God would speak to Moses face to face in the tent. But Joshua stayed behind in the tent even after Moses left. This says to me that Joshua was a man that sought God's presence on a daily basis. That's why when the moment came where God said, I need you now to arise, he was ready. We cannot wait until God says arise, but we've never sought God in the secret place. Because then we will not recognize his presence when he goes ahead of us. We need to be seeking him in the secret place every day. Every week, whatever that looks like for you. We need to be spending time with the Lord. We need to develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Become intimate with Him. And you know what's the thing that people tell me all the time? I'm too busy. I say it too. But you know what the reality, church? If we're too busy for the presence of the Lord, we're going to miss everything that He has for us. There is nothing more important for you and I than to be spending time in the tent. Spending time getting to know the Lord's presence, getting to know our Father, getting to spend time with Him. And I can tell you honestly, I even feel the Lord challenging us on a whole new level. We need to be spending more time in the presence of the Lord if we want to see this ministry go to the next season. If we are not going to spend time with the Lord, we're not going to know how to discern His voice. We're not going to know what to do in every circumstance in our life. Okay, and half the things we are worried about, half the things we are stressing about, 
will be solved if we first spend time in the tent. That's how we will know that his presence is with us. That's how we will recognize. The place of prayer for Joshua was first and foremost the place of God's presence. And it was a place of preparation for him. God has got a calling on every one of our lives. He's got something for you and I. And we can only reach that place when we learn how to follow his presence. And if God's presence, we pray, this is the thing that we probably prayed the most. Lord, and we pray this every day. If your presence doesn't go ahead of us, don't make us go. Don't make us go. Because if your presence is not going to be there, I, I'll be toast. We'll be toast. I don't know what other way to say that. The place of prayer was Joshua's first and foremost place of seeking the Lord's presence. That was his secret to gaining the victory. And you know what was even profound? If you read through that whole book of Joshua, the next part where they go and they reach Jericho, it was the story of Rahab and the spies and how she had hid them. And you know that the Lord already gave them the victory before they even crossed the Jordan. Because the Bible says that the people of Jericho were so scared of the Israelites because they had heard, how did they hear? God already went ahead. They were so scared of the God of the Israelites because they had heard what God had done for the Israelites. So God already gave them the victory. But if I'm going to believe that I'm a grasshopper, those people didn't believe they were grasshoppers. They were scared of them. And sometimes we go through life and we're scared of the enemies in front of us, but they are scared of us because they know about the God who we serve. They know the God that stands behind you. They know the God, the Lion of Judah that walks beside you. So we don't have to fear the enemies that's in front of us. If my God is for me, who can be against me? I mean, our children, the next generation, need us to walk in courage. If we are not going to arise and we are not going to fight these battles, our children are going to have to fight them. And as we say all the time, we really have a conviction. I have a personal conviction that this next generation will usher in the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus. So it's up to us to prepare them. It's up to us in our generation, while the baton is in our hand, to stand up, to arise, to be courageous, to get rid of the things that holds us back, so that we can move forward with what God has. Because we have got eternity in front of us. This is not it, we know that. We've got eternity. Mansions in heaven waiting for us. With Jesus forever. This is just a short little while that we just need to persevere, step out in courage. And the best thing of all, we're not called to do it alone. You are going to have days of discouragement. I'm going to have days of discouragement. But the power of a community like this is we're going to take one another's hands and we're going to say, that's okay. And most importantly, God is with you. God will not leave you. God will not forsake you. We need to remind each other of this. I mean, I need to close the service, but I could continue. Okay, I want to pray for some people this morning. Why don't you stand? You know what's profound about Joshua? 
The name Joshua actually means Yahweh is salvation. And if you've studied Bible, the Bible before, you'll know that Joshua is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. Moses is a type and a shadow of the law. The Red Sea, Egypt, coming out of Egypt, coming out of that place of slavery is a type and shadow of our life of sin before Jesus comes and saves us, before we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The crossing of the Jordan River is a type and shadow. Joshua, Jesus leading us into our promised land, our place of spiritual rest. The Jordan River is the waters of baptism where I lay down my old self and I'm raised again into my new man with Jesus. And so I want everyone to just close their eyes this morning and just take a, take a moment with the Lord. And I want to, first of all, before I pray for specific people, I want to ask if you are here this morning and you've heard this word and you've been in church your whole life, but you've never actually made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You don't remember a day or a time. I'm not talking about growing up in a Christian home. I'm talking about an active decision that you made to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I need a savior and I wanna become born again with your spirit. I wanna give you my life and I want you to become my Lord and savior. If you've never actually done that or made that decision or prayed that prayer or remember a moment like that, I want you to just gently raise your hand. Everyone's eyes and eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I just want to pray. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. That's a huge, important first step. We need to be born again, the Bible says. Otherwise, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're not born sons and daughters. We're born as sinners. We need to accept Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here this morning, you can just gently raise your hand and I will pray with you. Thank you, Father. All right, and then I wanna pray for a second group of people. And as I said, when I prayed, the Lord showed me some people that their hearts are ready to run, their hearts are ready to obey, but something is holding back. And as we said before, it's that, I believe it's that courage that is lacking. That courage to step out and do what the Lord is putting on your heart to do in this season. It could be having a really difficult conversation, as we said. It could be to really forgive someone. It could be to start something new. It could be many different things. And some of the things that hold some of us back are fear. Fear of what people might think. Fear of failure, but what if it doesn't work, Lord? What if I don't have the money? Fear of lack and money is such a big thing. It's probably one of the biggest things that holds us back. It's the one thing that Johannes and I had to decide in our hearts of hearts. We're not going to let that stop us. And we are determined as we stand here this morning because we've seen God come through for us time and time again. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
If money is holding us back this morning, I want you to come to the front and I want to pray for you. Those ropes are being cut this morning in the Spirit. Maybe you are here this morning and you just feel, I don't know if I'm good enough to do what God is telling me to do. I don't feel if I've got it in me. Whatever it is this morning, if you need a fresh touch from the Lord and you need a prayer for supernatural boldness to come across you this morning, I want you to step to the front. I want you to come to the front and we're going to pray for you. Don't let this moment pass by. Don't even let fear come in front of this thing this morning. The Lord wants to touch some people this morning. And I want you to just come to the front. And one or two of the team can just come to the front and just stand behind for us. I want to pray. The Lord showed me specific people this morning. We're not going home until we pray. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. If you need courage, it could be for anything. We're going to pray. We're going to end the service and then we're going to pray. So we're not going to pray out loud. You don't have to worry about that. There's people here this morning. And just saying, Lord, I need that courage. Lord, I need boldness for this thing in my life. I need you to help you. I need you to help me. And I need to know that I know that I know that you are with me. We just want to pray for that strength over you this morning. You can just come to the front when you're ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. God wants to release courage this morning over his people. Courage, boldness, no more fear, no more holding back. The Lion of Judah is standing next to you and he wants to remind you of that this morning. You can just form a line over here and some of the team, maybe Maloney and them, can I just ask you just stand at the back. Thank you, Lord.